the old pilot's plain tales. Don't upset the jet too. Last week we chatted about historic incidents that led to aircraft upsets. One definition of which would be when an airplane in flight unintentionally exceeds the parameters normally experienced in line operations or training. Regulators around the world have realised that airline pilots are sometimes poorly equipped to recognise or deal with aircraft upsets, illustrated by the number and severity of loss of control incidents. As a result, programs of training now exist to educate pilots in the dangers of aircraft upsets, how to avoid them, and finally, both theoretical and practical exercises that allow them to experience and recover from upsets. It is one thing to experience upset training in a flight simulator, but it has considerable limitations when it comes to replicating a real event. Not only is the flight modelling unlikely to accurately represent a real aircraft's behaviour when flying in a regime well beyond any actual flight tests that were undertaken, but it is impossible to simulate many aspects of real flight like sustained high or low G-forces. EASA and the United Kingdom Civil Aviation Authority now require all pilots studying to become air transport pilots to undertake an advanced upset and recovery training course, which includes three hours of flight training in a suitable aerobatic aircraft. To find out more, I joined listener Basim, who had flown over from Jordan to go through his advanced UPRT course at the British Aerobatic Academy at Falmere Airfield near Cambridge. I started by asking why he was there. Aside from uh, AUPRT being a requirement for uh, freshly minted IASA pilots, IASA licenses, and to a certain degree I, I expect even in the UK, uh, for myself, uh, many airlines would require you to have an AUPRT course for employment. In my, uh, in my case, what I was looking for is to really sharpen my uh, training and uh, experience towards handling upset uh, and recovery through this uh, training. No matter how elaborate uh, of uh, training you have during your uh, basic uh, PPL, CPL, You'll, you will never experience or go into the depth of uh, details that goes into an advanced uh, upset recovery and prevention training. A point amplified by Adrian Willis, the chief pilot of the Academy, when I spoke to him. This, this is um, a course that's mandated by EASA and, and now also the CAA. It's been in existence uh, since December 2019. Um, it took about 20 years for the industry to get their act together and, and um, mandate it. And now nobody can do a type rating in EASA or the UK without first having attended the course. Adrian and Abasum went on to explain how this type of course is an essential component of upset training. Well, over the last uh, 30, 40 years, there's a history of, of um, airliners crashing um caused by basically mishandling 
as aircraft have become more and more sophisticated and automated, to a certain extent, some of the seat and uh, seat of the pants flying skills have died out. Uh, and this is a um, a short course. It's only three hours of flying and five hours of um, ground school that gets people back into the habit of flying by the seat of the pants and and, and following procedures in the event of a loss of control. Uh, this is the the first one they do. This is the on aircraft. Uh, advanced upset recovery course uh, but once they've completed this course they'll um, f- fairly frequently certainly every every six months be doing the same thing on a simulator but the simulator doesn't really make sense until they've experienced the on aircraft training I mean, for example you can't feel g on a simulator so we, we, we're showing them what uh, the various g loads feel like and we're showing them how an aircraft performs when you unload it. And and we're, we're also introducing some startle and surprise elements. Again, startle and surprise is not quite the same thing in a simulator. So this is just the beginning of their journey along the advanced upset recovery training road. But the rest of it is done on, on simulators. Most pilots would probably get away with just doing some unusual attitudes. Uh, nose up, nose down, how to... Uh, immediately react to that uh, condition, even through uh, type rating. Uh, some uh, uh, type rating courses, of, all of them, would have a UPRT session or two that also handles uh, jet uh, uh, jet conditions. Now, what I can say up to now, the, the synthetic nature of either does not give you the same experience. I just finished my first sortie and I'm getting into the second. It does not give you that hands-on experience that will help you to to unlock this training when once God forbid you're in that condition. Beside the fact that there are actual physiologically, I mean, you feel much heavier. I mean, trying to lifting. I mean, the instructor I was with this morning uh, told me just try to lift your hand and see how this feels. And uh, genuinely, once you are even slightly familiar with it, it will help you to get about the startle effect and get on with doing what needs to be done. Experiencing these G-loading does not mean that you are unable to control the aircraft. In the small aircraft that we're handling today, it is designed to be controllable at these conditions. So obviously you are able to control it. In a, in a jet uh, transport category airplane, it might be a little bit different. But the fact is, you haven't lost your ability to maneuver or to manipulate the airplane because you are experiencing G. That, that might be the case, but not because of the G loading you're experiencing. You still have command over yourself. But if you haven't experienced it before, you'll probably get too worked up with the fact that you are uh, being pushed or pulled or whatever physiologically you are uh, experiencing. I was curious to know what sort of reaction to the training Adrian saw, particularly since Basim had admitted that he was a bit nervous about this type of flying. They will love it. Uh, um, in, in fact, we, we do about a 1,000 uh, courses a year for, for upset recovery, and about 30% of them come back and uh, choose to do an aerobatic rating course as well. And, and also, it's, it's proper flying. You know, they've just predominantly they've just finished their training, and they've been sat in a simulator uh, or a multi-engine aircraft doing instrument flying, and now they're looking out of the window at very strange attitudes and you know, proper flying is really great fun for them.
I slept well yesterday, but uh, not easily. I mean, I still have my second sword and I'm thinking spin recovery. I don't want to go into a spin. I've never been into a spin. I tried it on a simulator and it doesn't feel uh, uh, right. But I doubt that this little worry is a bad thing. I think it's a good thing to be, not to take it for granted, even if you were an aerobatic pilot. I mean, there's this sense of, uh, you know, to be on your toes that, okay, that's a great machine. And obviously it's within its envelope. It's designed to be aerobatic whether the grub or the extra. Uh, but then again... Uh... I found Basom's instructor, a Polish Air Force ex-MiG-29 pilot who had recently joined BAA and was now teaching the EASA upset syllabus and asked him how his students got on and what he thought of the importance of this training. It was reflected in Basom's comments, even though he had personally borne the cost of flying to the UK in order to participate in it. Maybe upside-down situation is not really common during commercial career, but still you can try it in, in some, small, some small plane and even learn how to, how to recover from them. Yeah, most of them really enjoy uh, this kind of flying and appreciate the, the way of, uh, of training. It depends mainly uh, on the health of indiv individuals. So, yeah, so most pilots appreciate the, the, the way of training. Sometimes there could be some with their sickness, but that's all. Yeah, I think it's really important because it's still better to experience some upsets uh, first on some smaller craft, just uh, familiarized with them and, and, and learn how to recover from them instead of, uh, of real life, right? Or, and I'm sure that uh, you are unable to, to learn how to recover from upsets and uh, and how any upsets uh, just feels on simulators. So I think it's a really important part of training for, for commercial pilots. I will tell you one thing, aside from AUPRT training per se, many, especially uh, academy uh, graduates, uh, not necessarily with uh, cadet programs that who are in the pipeline towards uh, an aviation career, have this uh, misconception that once you get into the airlines, you're not necessarily all this automation and, you know, advanced systems that is on the aircraft will help you fly the plane. In fact, one of the things that they point out about the Air France 447 flight, which kicked off this system of UPRT, before it used to be called unusual, uh, unusual attitude, right? Uh, now it's the whole system that is specified by AKO, by EASA, even the FAA. And in the 447, one of the most memorable things that I remember from the accident, if you remember, the, if you go through the transcript, one of the first officers said, we're glad we're on a 3330, because if it is, it will help them out of the situation. Well, they got themselves into, by the way, they, they responded to the malfunction that they've experienced. So what I can say for sure and attest to that this uh, course helps the pilot bring them back from this over-reliance on not only automation, because automation might be the reason why you're in an unusual situation, but to go back to the basics of flying, because this is what it is, really. Especially for a freshly minted pilot like myself, who I have no operational experience yet, uh, it seems only logical for me to be ready with that tool with my hand.
Basum gave me an idea of the types of manoeuvres that they would look at in the air, some of which were basic stability demonstrations, to remind him that in many cases his aircraft had no innate desire to plummet earthwards, and if he just let go then things might end up better than if he fought with the controls. But one of the interesting things that we've done today was um, to experience firsthand the stability embedded into the design of the aircraft. You know, what we get in the, I'm not sure about yourself, but if you go through the ATPL exams, you go through all the theory behind the flight with longitudinal stability, spiral stability, stability, lateral stability, but you've never experienced them firsthand. And that's what we did today as what part of the exercise is just to understand that the aircraft is designed to uh, have to be stable towards uh, after an upset and you experience it firsthand and you get this uh, fugoid uh, isolation you know where you upset the aircraft's uh, uh, trajectory and it just keeps going towards its upset which gives you the indication that or at least in some situation Maybe you don't need to make any inputs to the aircraft. Maybe, in fact, and that's why you have the pilot-induced error, right? Uh, sometimes maybe the right course of action is just to leave it be and it will uh, go back to its... Uh, so that was one of the exercises. To, I still have four more to do today. Uh, you have the recovery from uh, incipient spins, uh, unusual, recover, unusual attitude recovery, high nose high, nose down, spin recovery, which... <laughs> I'm not can say I'm looking forward to, but for sure I will. Uh, something I need to go through. The chief pilot Adrian explained how this practical upset training dovetails with future training in a simulator. One of the key things in the advanced upset recovery course, though, uh, is to provide training that's compatible with the training they're going to receive on the simulator at a later date. So we're simulating flying in a bigger aircraft. So you know, we, we do the first hour in a grob side by side, and we do hour two and three predominantly in, in extras. Now the extra has quite a fast rate of roll, uh, and an airliner doesn't. So we simulate an airliner by constraining the rate of roll somewhat. But the, the extra is, is perfect for the job because, of course, you can let the student take it further than you can in a more fragile aircraft. Well, one exercise which is um, quite enlightening for the for the student pilot uh, is where we demonstrate the effect of unloading during a roll. So what we'd do is we'd raise the nose 45 degrees and then apply a gentle amount of roll to, to simulate a, an airliner, but no backstick, no rudder, and showing them how much pitch attitude they lose. And typically after 180 degrees, they'd be pointing vertically down. We'll, we'll then repeat it, but unloading to half a G and demonstrate that we can do a whole 360 degrees before it gets in the same position, but also that the unloading gives them a faster rate of roll. It's particularly important if you're flying something like a, an Airbus. The routines we're teaching them, you know, the, the procedure we're teaching them, obviously are very basic because they've got to remember it in several years' time when they're startled and surprised and put under pressure. Uh, and it's the same procedure that they'll, be, uh, they'll have reinforced in the simulator. Adrian commented on where he thinks that practical advanced upset training will go next, and then he and Basim gave us some final thoughts on the course. Uh, yes, I believe in the future it's quite likely that existing pilots will be 
required to do some on-aircraft upset recovery training. At the moment, it's all new entrants. So somebody who's been flying for 10, 15 years will never have uh, seen it or, or experienced it. And it'd be great for, the, for these older pilots, more experienced pilots, to get an opportunity to taste it as well. A lot of people are anxious when they first arrive. And a lot of people do give us their lunch back. But after three hours, they, they, they have all thoroughly enjoyed themselves and learned a great deal and more capable of being an airline pilot. Because of the background I have, I come from an aviation background. And I'm stepping in at a later time of my life. So I have to basically be prepared for what's to come. And when you look at the prerequisites that many airlines have, in fact, one of the two airlines that I've applied for already, who do not require high, uh, I mean, they accept low hour pilots, uh, they both had AUPRT as part of their uh, uh, prerequisites uh, for it. But even if there was no prospects for it, as I told you, you have to be equipped with these uh, experiences because part of in the accidents that are related to upset uh, or an unusual attitude uh, condition, the startle effect and this uh, biases that and the natural tendencies that we have to push the nose down while we shouldn't or the other way around. There is no way, I, I mean, sadly, we cannot talk to those who uh, crash, but if I was to put myself in their shoes at that time, I probably would have done exactly what they've done. So how can I do it differently? I mean, uh, and that's why I'm here today. My thanks to Adrian Willis, Chief Pilot of the British Aerobatic Academy, his instructor, Adrian, the amazing 1,000-hour Polish MiG-29 display pilot of RIAT 2012, 15 and 16, and of course, Basem from Jordan, who is getting close to the end of his long journey through commercial pilot training, and we wish him luck in his search for future employment. Plane Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show, and you can find out about that show at airlinepilotguy.com. We're also a standalone podcast, so if you'd like to help us out, then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Many thanks for listening. Thank you.